Hey everyone, this is Ken from Neon Goldfish. Buyers have changed, and it's clear that we have to adapt the way we market to them. But what about the way we sell to them? The traditional sales model is dying. Cold calling and pitching is becoming less and less effective. So where do we go from here? In this episode of the Neon Noise Podcast, we have a very special guest. Rachel Plummer from HubSpot joins us to explore the inbound sales process. We dig into the biggest sales challenges that businesses face today, what happened to the traditional sales process, what inbound sales is, the four stages of the inbound sales methodology, and some actionable items you can do today to help you realign your selling efforts with inbound sales. We hope this conversation with Rachel provides some valuable takeaways you can apply to your sales process. Enjoy. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Neon Noise Podcast. We have a special guest on today. We are going to be chatting with Rachel Plummer of HubSpot. She is an absolute rock star when it comes to marketing and sales. Just to give you guys a little bit of background, Ken and I have been working with Rachel for right about two years now. She is our agency account representative at HubSpot and helps us from everything from prospecting to converting leads and ultimately closing customers. I can say that we've definitely closed deals with customers that we would not have without the assistance in the sales process. Hands down, there's absolutely no question to that. We meet with Rachel on a regular basis to discuss sales and marketing efforts and figured that she would be an awesome guest for the show. She has a wealth of information for marketing and sales, and we feel our listeners just need to hear it. So let's get into it. Hey, Rachel, thanks for coming on and chatting marketing and sales with us today. We truly appreciate your time. How is everything going for you today? Hello. Thank you for such a warm introduction. Um, things are going great. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Justin, one thing I think you forgot to mention in that opening is how much of a rabid Jets fan she is. <laughs> she <laughs> loves the Jets, right? Jets, Jets, uh, Jets, let's Jets, not right? lie this morning. To <laughs> <laughs> oh, clarify, I think, yes, we need to clarify fan. that. <laughs> I don't want to any of her family members to, to tune in and listen to this and think that she went uh, to the dark side. So, yes, we know you're a Pats fan. Thank you. I don't want to be disowned from my family this weekend. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Or any weekend for that matter, right? You're right. Exactly. Awesome. So, Rachel, Justin, give that introduction. You're with HubSpot. In, to get started, I think it might be helpful to maybe touch on who HubSpot or what HubSpot is, and then um, kind of progress from there because it'll be a backbone for some of our future conversations. So could you give our listeners a quick overview uh, of HubSpot, what it is, what it does, all that fun stuff? Definitely. Um, so at the heart of it, HubSpot is really a marketing automation platform. Um, we kind of coin ourselves as an inbound marketing software solution, as well as a CRM and sales acceleration tool now. So if you think about your business managing anything on the marketing side from generating traffic to your website through blogging, SEO, um, pushing content out to social, to actually converting that traffic into leads, and then nurturing those leads into customers, you can manage all of that through HubSpot. And then on the sales side, it's managing all of your daily sales activities, your prospecting, your forecast, your actual management of your leads and opportunities. Um, you can do that all through the platform. Excellent. And we've 
use HubSpot ourselves within our agency, and we help other businesses. And it is fantastic software. Um, amazing how much it actually does tie everything together. Um, now, as far as your role at HubSpot, what what do you do at HubSpot? What's your daily act? What's your day look like from day to day? And uh, tell us a little bit about that, please. Sure. I have the pleasure of working with people like you guys all day long. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um, I am (laughs) a channel account manager at HubSpot. So what that means is I actually work with about 75 marketing agencies, um, really just on anything that they need help with. So whether it's, you know, who should we hire, how should we scale, um, to focusing on their sales efforts, you know, increasing the size of their retainers, helping them to close new business, and at the end of the day also to resell HubSpot. So been here for about five years, been on the partner side for about three, um, and I love working with agencies. It's very rewarding. Now, what was your background before HubSpot? Uh, what did you What did you do um, before you were uh, you joined joined forces with them? Yeah, I got caught up in that daily deal trend. <laughs> actually, okay. oh, daily deals. Uh, yeah, I actually was doing a job that is what I preach against every day now, <laughs> um, which was cold calling a bunch of businesses and selling them on daily deals. Um, so I was in sales <laughs> for a while and. Um, yeah, it was a grind for sure. All right. And and that that's interesting because the topic we're covering today is inbound sales. And a lot of what your your expertise right now is this this process of inbound sales really it, it, you introduced it to, to us at Neon Goldfish and uh it's interesting that you have that background of what you do sell against um that those experiences to reference, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting when I joined HubSpot and we can get more into inbound sales, but it was taught to me and I was just like, wow, this makes so much sense. What have I been doing all this time? (laughs) What have Um, I been doing all this cold outreach? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. No, it it is like smack in the forehead when you, when you come across it and and realize it it makes absolute sense. Mm -hmm. So knowing all this, what, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see? Cause, cause you work with, you mentioned you work with 75 partner agencies and you have been through the trenches and working with businesses uh, directly uh, at HubSpot. So you have a real good understanding doing this day in and day out in the sale role of selling. What do you feel are some of the bigger challenges that businesses face when it comes to sales today? Yeah, good question. I think uh, people are all over the place. So I think the biggest thing I see, or I guess the largest pain point is when people are just really stuck in that old way of selling. So it's okay to reach out to people who have maybe never heard from you before, but they're doing it in a way where they're pitching um, and just kind of like really selling themselves hard. And it can be really hard to transition off of that kind of antiquated um, sales methodology. Um, I also see people just not using any sort of like sales technology. So a lot of the businesses I talk to, um, and they're embarrassed by it. They'll say like, yeah, we're, we're just kind of using Excel to store (laughs) everything. Um, so that's really interesting to me just because 
you know, and me in my day to day, I get prospected just working at HubSpot by people selling all kinds of things. And they don't know that like maybe they talked to me three months ago or maybe they emailed me six months ago um, because they aren't using any actual kind of like CRM or sales software. So that's another um, challenge that I see with a lot of folks. And it's really hard to get sales people to adopt a sales platform. Um, you would think that they'd be excited about it and they'd want to use this every day to keep track of everything, but they aren't. And they have a really, really, really hard time actually logging everything and adopting that process. Um, Do you think that's be just because out of the nature of how a salesperson's wired or, or most salespeople are wired that they have a, the, the challenge in that, that, uh, the data entry component that's involved with that is just like paperwork. Salespeople are <laughs> notoriously not the best at paperwork, right? Totally. I think um, salespeople have an attention to detail, you know, for some things and then so not for other things. You can just ask my manager how I log things in our CRM. But yeah, I don't know what it is. Like as a salesperson at heart, I feel like I am adverse to it as well. I think about it. I'm like, oh, I have to log this. I don't want to. I don't know what it is. But yeah, I think it does have something to do with the way that salespeople are wired. For sure. Absolutely. And back to the one thing you mentioned with the business owners, they, they kind of jokingly state that, yeah, we're using Excel to manage this and they're somewhat embarrassed. They know that they have this issue. What do you think is the reason that they continue to live with uh, an inferior solution for, for so long? Yeah, I think it's, well, I think it's two-pronged, right? Like people are scared of change. Um, they're worried right. that it's going to disrupt generating revenue, which is what's most important. Um, so they just kind of keep doing what's broken to make sure that their business keeps going um, without, you know, really interrupting the day of the sales rep. Um, and then I think the other side of it is a lot of platforms are really clunky and um, intimidating and people sure. are scared of them and they're not intuitive and it's hard to go in there and actually like make it effective. Like if I'm going to log something, I want this to automatically show me what my forecast is or show yeah. me like something that makes sense to make my job better. And a lot of platforms are more for, you know, management or marketing than they are for the actual rep. Sure. Yeah. And so that, that gratification at the, the level that the person actually doing the input is, is necessary, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. All right. So we had made mention of uh, and we're going to get into inbound sales, but the world's changed drastically. And I think technology has been the driving force behind that. Um, I want to touch just a little bit about the traditional sales process. Cause you mentioned earlier, you were in the daily deal industry and you had a pitch that you uh, interrupted people's days with. Right. Yep. And that'd be more of the traditional sales process that we're all familiar with. We see, uh, different movies like Glenn Gary Good and Glenn Ross or, uh, uh, you know, the uh, my favorite bo boiler room where they're calling and pitching people on the phone. Um, but <laughs> yeah. that's not the exact uh, way that uh, the world works now and changes are, are on the horizon. What, what do you think is the cause of this change? Where do you think everything's headed? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're spot on. If we think like 20 years ago, someone would call you, convince you why you needed something, and then you would buy. Um, and I think 
Google change that for us, right? It's like one word, Google. Um, Yeah, people just, we're smart now. We know how to tune it out. We're going to ignore your phone calls. We're ignoring your spam emails. Um, We know that if we need something, like if we have a pain, we're going to go to Google. We're going to search for solutions. We have all of the information in the world at our fingertips. We can read reviews. We can see different options. We can price shop. Um, Everything is right there for us. And so because of that, the sales rep's role has completely changed. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really just made it so that the buyer is the one who is in control now. And so with this change, the shift in gears that the consumers made, there has to be a shift in the way that we go about selling to them, right? Yep, absolutely. I think it's more now about trying to identify what their pain points are um, and helping them work through it, figuring out, you know, as a business, what are their goals? What kinds of other challenges do they face? um, And trying to, you know, make your solution work for them from that context rather than here's our solution. You should buy it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And so I think this is a great segue into the formal term of inbound sales because we did a couple podcasts ago, we brought in and covered inbound marketing, which is I think a fresh topic for some people listening. And I know that inbound sales is going to be, a newer topic for even more folks. Um, The term itself, I I believe is is something that's tied to HubSpot. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, and uh, can you explain a little bit about what formally inbound sales is um, and and how did it come to be? I think we just covered maybe a little bit of how it came to be because consumers have changed, right? Yep, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it really is just that process of trying to identify what it is that someone needs, like really putting yourself in their shoes day to day. And when you go to that prospect, you know, talking to them around those pain points and trying to help them solve that problem, Um, qualifying to see if you are a good fit, not how you're going to be a good fit, Right. right? Like not just pushing it on them, like actually figuring out, like, should we work together is this does this even make sense can we even help you with your problems um inbound sales is really just going to the people who are ready to talk to you at the right time rather than constantly interrupting someone's day like you said ken um so it's identifying those inbound leads first and then um expanding your network by talking to maybe some of those colder prospects but helping them with those pain points and challenges Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Now there are, because of everything at HubSpot, you guys do an excellent job of being absolutely thorough and, uh, identifying, um, progressions in there's a, a formal inbound sales methodology that has four different steps. Uh, I believe they're identify, connect, explore, and advise. Yep. Um, could you take, all your listeners through each one of those and it maybe helps paint a picture of what an, an inbound sales process should look like. And I think that'll be helpful for them to compare against the traditional pitch that they're so accustomed to. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're spot on. Identify, connect, explore, and advise. Um, so this is a sales methodology that HubSpot created that I will say as a disclaimer, you know, you most likely will have to adapt it to what makes sense for your business. Um, but for the most part, the principles will stay true. So what we're saying here is let's first identify who's ready to talk to us now. So this is stage one. Um, always, like I just said, always go after those inbound leads first. So any leads that are coming to your website, maybe downloading a form um, that you, you know, maybe they connected with you on LinkedIn, anybody who's more of an inbound lead for you should always be your first opportunity um, because they're, they're doing some research. They're saying, they're raising their hand and saying, hey, I'm ready to talk to someone. I just might not know what about yet. Right. Sure. Um, and then from there, it's identifying good fits and actually starting to reach out to them to see if the timing is right for them as well. So that's kind of that identify stage. Um, from there, when we actually connect with someone, so we start prospecting and we get them on the phone, you know, maybe we sent them a few emails, um, we need to make sure that we're getting extremely personalized with our messaging. And that's what's going to differentiate the old sales process from this new sales process by painting a picture for someone of, you know, I know your day to day. Like I'm talking to people like you every single day in my mm -hmm. job. So I know what your pain points are. Um, this is a solution, right? Like here's an example of something you might not have considered yet. Here's a tip um, or just, like I said, a positioning statement, putting yourself kind of in their shoes and explaining like, I know what you're dealing with. Um, here's a challenge that other people have told me about. So, Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was, I was just going to ask: Is this is this this is where having a buyer persona outlined and created would would come in really handy, right? Yes. Thank you for that. Um, absolutely. So before we do any of this, we should absolutely be creating buyer personas and figuring out who it is that we're targeting. Um, whether you do that with your marketing team and kind of have some alignment there with them, um, or you do it with your sales team, it's who am I targeting? What does their life look like? You know, at HubSpot, we jokingly call our marketing person, Marketing Mary, right? Like the person that we're most likely going to sell a marketing software to. Um, and we identify everything about her, like how much money she probably makes, how many kids she has, um, you know, what she did before she was in this role. It's really like digging deep into who this person is and what they care about so that when you do get on the phone with them or you are emailing them, you know how to communicate with them. Absolutely. So with, with, for marketing, Mary, for example, um, you'd get on the phone with marketing, Mary, and, and you'd have in your, in your mind and you'd have specific messages or either emails or, or talk tracks and positioning statements that are specific to her that are going to resonate better with her than if you were on the phone with a different type of, target buyer persona with different goals and objectives, right? Yeah. So do you want me to give you an example of, you know, at HubSpot, if we were talking to a Mary, what kinds of things we might say to her? That'd be, that'd be fantastic. Okay. So at HubSpot, we're selling a marketing solution, right? To somebody who's either a marketing manager or director of their marketing team, they probably need some help managing everything in one place. So to kind of just get her interest, typically we would send her an email 
that would give a tip on her website. So we might look at her blog and say, you know, hey, here's a tip for your blog. It doesn't seem like you're blogging very frequently. Or, um, you know, you mostly have company news in there. Um, so it's basically showing like, hey, I know what you're doing. You're trying really hard, but here's some really low-hanging fruit opportunities where you could kind of move the needle on what you're doing. And it will be interesting to her because she's normally getting an email that says, hey, I'm Rachel from HubSpot. I sell marketing software. Do you want to talk? And she ignores it. She deletes it. But this right. email is just, hey, here's a tip. Do it's you, helpful. Do you want to talk helpful about it? Yep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's great. So it's helpful and educational versus a, a pitch. Yep. That's where you're, you're currently at. You've identified marketing Mary as someone that, uh, is engaged and, and active and uh, worth pursuing. And then you do the, the connect stage of the sales process or the sales methodology. And you're, you're working, you're focusing on um, what else do we do in that, uh, that connect stage? Is, uh, is there anything else that we can do in, in that stage there? Yeah. I think from your perspective, it's, do I want to set up more time with this person, right? Yeah, but okay. from their perspective, it's getting them interested enough, um, positioning yourself as a trusted advisor who knows a lot about what their daily life looks like, giving them tips and things like that to gain that trust, um, and then deciding if you want to move on to a more in-depth exploratory phase from there. I think the number one rule with the connect phase, which goes against – all of our old sales process um, is do not talk about yourself. It's not really about you. And if they ask, maybe you, you give like a 10-second spiel and say, we'll get into it next time. Mm-hmm. You're asking a salesperson not to talk about themselves. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. That's I know. It, and it probably it, it does require some discipline, right? Yes. I work with many sales folks who have been in the, the job, in the game for – you know, 30 years and asking them to do that has been a challenge. <laughs> um, it is hard, but you, you have to make it about the buyer now. Otherwise they're going to move on. Sure. So you, you made mention that tip that you gave marketing Mary, and, and that was one example. I mean, you rattled that off like you've done it a thousand times. Um, how defined do you get in the connect stage with those, those, messages do you know you do you have like a a playbook that are is geared towards that particular buyer persona yeah great question um i think as a salesperson you're always kind of focused on your number one thing which is how much time do i have how much time should i spend on these things so i think you need to get really really personalized with the way that you are prospecting someone um but you also need it to be scalable right like we can't spend 45 minutes on every outreach, right? It just right, wouldn't work. Right. No. <laughs> um, so I think it's very important. Um, I typically tell people, like, make sure you're continually reaching out, you know, five to seven times to someone. That's what it will take to actually connect with them. Um, and on the level of personalization, um, you know, it's just a quick email. If you really get lengthy with it, they're not going to look at it anyway. But it's just one quick tip. Hey, here's a screenshot from your website. I saw that you're doing this. Looks great. Here's a quick tip. Let me know if you want to connect. You said five to seven times to connect with someone. 
Yeah, um, HubSpot's done a lot of research on this. I think the number might be more like five now, but we've always kind of said five to seven to be safe. Um, we'll encourage people to leave a voicemail, send an email, um, and it can take up to that fifth time to really get them to reply. Oh, wow. Because I would yeah. venture to guess that most give up before the fifth time. Yep, great. Um, great point. So that's one of our challenges. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. So I work with a lot of people who send one email. They'll get, let's say they have someone download a form on their website, right? They'll send a follow-up and that's the end of that. Um, I mean, have you guys ever replied to just one email? No. No. From a salesperson? <laughs> there's that frequency there that report. Now, what I do reply to is, is oftentimes is the person who I've never spoken to, but I know their name because they've reached out to me so many times. Right. Yeah. That, that impresses me to the point where I'm going to get on the phone just so that I can get rid of this person. Yeah. You're 100% yep. correct. But I but do yeah. have a little bit of admiration for uh, their their persistence and give them some credit for that alone so sometimes i might even because they do stand out versus the other folk of uh they do stand out from the crowd and so they're much more appreciated than the person that said hey i've emailed you seven times which i know you haven't with a singular email trying to establish that we have a history (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that annoys me drastically. <laughs> and I got one the other day that uh, it was, it was, they even fabricated a, a chain of emails. And I went back. <laughs> Where are like, the emails? <laughs> I, I was like, did, did this person ever send me? And I did a search <laughs> no. in my inbox. And they had, this is the first message they've ever sent me, but they had created an entire history of emails that oh they, my gosh. that's amazing. Said, they sent me. So I'm like, this is, that is awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. I think like don't don't harass someone, right? Like we don't want to send someone fifteen emails just because it's a waste of your time as a salesperson. Um, but I think if you're sending helpful um, either resources or tips in your in your communication, mm-hmm. and you get up to five and someone hasn't replied, like break up with them and move on. Because clearly, if we're really owning that inbound sales process, they're not ready. to talk to you. Otherwise they would have let you know. Exactly. And, and so with that, I mean, the the beginning of this process is identifying who is engaged and who is ready, but it, it, I think the item that I found most appealing to this entire process is as a salesperson, we spend so much time feeling like we got to chase everything. And this was a, breath of fresh air when we say no we're just going to concentrate on the, the buyers that are are engaged yep and we can focus our energies and do a better job and then determine if we want to work with them as much as they want to work with us it's it's uh it was it was it was very very uh, refreshing for a lot yeah. of better terms that's kind of the explore process too, right? Like sure. we've talked about identify, we've talked about what it looks like when you actually get that person on the phone, how to give them tips or how to get them to get on the phone. Um, but that explore phase, which is the next phase that we recommend, um, that's where I really try to encourage people to figure out not just how you can fit into their world, but how they can actually fit into yours. 
um, which I think is what you're saying there, Ken. Yes, no, that's exactly what. So during the explore stage, this is when we actually uh, we're connecting with them. We're we're in back and forth communication, right? Yep. So this is like, hey, I had a quick meeting with you. I decided, you know, we might be able to help you. Now we're going to have a more in-depth meeting where we determine, you know, things like what are their actual challenges rather than just what we think they are. You know, what does their day-to-day look like? What are their goals as a company? What are their plans to, you know, achieve those goals? Are we talking at the right time? Or are they looking for solutions in 2018? Right. Um, all kinds of things to just dig into if this would be a good fit on both sides of the spectrum. In this is the opportunity really to dig up all those details that are going to make you so much more effective throughout the rest of the process. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I try to, um, it's interesting, like in your world, right? Cause you guys come from an agency background and I'm, I'm thinking too, like if I were running like a software company or if I were at a manufacturing company, like it all stays true. You want to find the right solution for that person. If you want to do that, you need to know details. Yeah. Like what is it that, you know, really keeps them up at night? Um, what are the consequences of not hitting their goal as a business? What would it enable them to do if they did hit their goals as a business? Like really mm-hmm. digging into everything you need to know so that you're providing the best possible solution for them. And they just pour this all out with, with no effort, right? <laughs> yes every prospect is completely agreeable they will tell you everything that you want to hear beautiful that sounds so easy (laughs) no actually you bring up a really good point people don't always focus on that um it can be challenging as a salesperson now because people do have all of the information they need they're sometimes um difficult right like they just they're not gonna lay it all out there for you and they're gonna give you a hard time about asking them questions they're gonna want you to pitch so they act like they don't but then they ask you to pitch like just tell us what you can do we don't need we don't need to be on the phone for more than five minutes because you know i have everything i need on the internet um but i think you bring up a good point because that is why we give tips and we um we use positioning statements. We put ourselves in their shoes so that they will trust us. And so we can ask questions. Um, at HubSpot, we, we kind of say, like, give them a tip and ask a question. Give them a tip, ask a question. So, like, hey, your, your blog, I noticed you're doing X, Y, Z. This looks great. Have you thought about doing this? Can I ask you a quick question about that, actually? And then people will usually open up. So it's definitely a balancing act, and it can be challenging depending on who you're talking to. Okay, so what about the uh, – because when we get into uh, a supposition of this nature and there's some back and forth, the the begging, the nagging question that's on the buyer's mind the entire time is, okay, how much is this going to cost me? How much is this going to cost me? All these things sound fancy and expensive, and and I know that um, we're going through this process. And, and so when they just – we're in the explore phase right now. Our objective here is to uncover uh, challenges and goals and learn more about. But what, what do you, how do how do you combat? Uh, just send me a proposal right now. I mean, do you send them that proposal now? What do you what do you do in that instance? Yeah. Um, so 
two questions. So one is like, if they're just asking you about pricing, right? Like if they're like, tell me how much this is going to cost. Um, I think, you know, you, you kind of be transparent with people. I think you give them a range of what you expect it to cost because at the end of the day, you don't want to waste your time either. Um, but I think you're very clear that you're at the beginning stages here and you need to learn a lot more about their business before you can actually identify what it's going to cost. So I think giving a range is a good idea just to make sure that everyone's on the same page, uh, but not getting too specific until you know more about their business so that you can actually tell them the pricing. Um, in the proposal world, like where you guys, you know, you're at an agency, they're going to ask, like, give me that proposal, or just outline what you can do for me. Um, I would say I, I can't send you a proposal at this point. I don't know enough about your business. Here's all the things that I'm still trying to learn. Um, and kind of back up and say, look, you know, when we work with people, we're looking for a partnership. Like we want to make sure that this is a good fit, not just for you, but also for us. Right. Like we're picky about who we work with. So kind of putting yourself back in control, um, whether that's true or not, I think it gives people, um, you know, it shows them that you care and gives them a little bit of respect for your process. Absolutely. No, I like that. It, because we get, and, and I say we, I think that I speak for most business out there. We get so many phone calls. Cool, can you send me over a price for X, Y, Z? And those, you know, unless you are the cheapest, you know, your positioning is the less expensive option. That's not the advantageous uh, selling position to be in, right? Um, right. So. Yeah, the the ability to hold back and learn more and, and better align um, yourself. So the explore stage, we learned everything, we're digested. Now we've this is a point where we determine, hey, do we move forward or not? What's what's that decision look like as far as in the conversation look like with with the client or the prospect? Yeah. So whenever I'm running an exploratory meeting, I want to make sure that I've really honed in on how I can help them. So that's things like their challenges, their goals, their plans. Is this timeline accurate? Like, are we on the same timeline? Is this going to happen within the next month? If not, I'm not going to move on with this conversation. Um, do I have the right person on the on the phone, right? Or in person. And I speaking with the person of authority, the one who can make decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, and have I budget qualified them? So like you said, they're going to ask about it. It helps. I think even if they haven't asked for it at the end of that meeting to at least give a range so that everyone is on the same page. If all of those things check out, I think it makes sense to move forward, um, with, kind of like an advising meeting where you're actually recommending solutions for them. Um, if not, I think it's perfectly appropriate to provide people with resources and say that you'll talk when the timing is right. So you, just to back up, you would actually, if they hadn't talked about price at all, you would bring up budget or, or price at this point? At the end of that meeting, I would absolutely give a range. Like, just to make sure that you're on the same page. Because if we're moving someone to an advised stage here, which is the last step of this process, there's some work on the end of the sales rep to actually put together either a presentation or a proposal in your case, um, or just kind of align solutions with what makes sense for them. Um, and that's going to take time. And again, 
all we have is time in this job, so we don't want to waste it. Right. Sure. Valuable resource that everyone's trying to uh, save, right? So, yeah. Awesome. So then you mentioned the, the final stage is, is advise. And so considering that everything's peachy and we're all holding hands and skipping down <laughs> the, the yellow brick road together, um, we're going to, we're going to then take this next step into with the prospective buyer into the advise stage, right? Yep. Um, so if you have, you know, you have someone who came to you who asked for a proposal, right. In your first conversation and you did everything right. You took a step back, you forced them to go through this lengthy sales process with you to really dig into their needs. And then you just give them some sort of canned presentation. Things are not going to go over well. (laughs) No. Uh, So I think like part of the advice stage is you've just taken someone through this whole process. You've learned so much about them. It should be pretty easy to put together some sort of customized, like I said, presentation proposal solution for them. Um, But at the same time, you're also selling here. You're closing the sale. Um, You do want to just get really personalized with it anyway and customize it to everything that you've learned about them. Pick what makes the most sense and present on that. And so the the clear-cut goal is that this is where we're we're going in for the kill. We're we're trying to close them down with with this this step of the, the process, right? Yeah, and hopefully, like, if you've really taken them through a thorough process, hopefully going into this, they kind of already know they're going to be working with you. Um, You kind of already know they're going to be working with you, but this is just, like, the last step to make sure that everyone's on the same page. Hey, for everything that we talked about, here's the solution that makes the most sense for you. Um, So I can give you an example. At HubSpot, we take people through this process, and our last step would be showing a software demo, right? Like, how can this work for you? Um, We have over 30 tools now in the platform Uh, between marketing and sales. So I could never show everybody, like someone, all of the tools in one of those meetings. It it wouldn't be possible. It would take hours and hours and hours. So I need to take everything I learned in that Explorer stage and figure out, you know, out of the 30, which five to seven tools make the most sense Mm -hmm. to show someone based on their business needs? Like where can I provide business value and give the most context for what they're looking for here? Sure. Now, how do do you proceed and go in? How do you start off that call? I mean, is there, is there a, I think at one point in time we had discussed uh, some ways that you can tell or or even back out of the call. If you can hint that maybe they're not quite ready or there's an objection that was looming. We didn't quite know. Could could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So are you asking, you know, we're going into the final step and at the beginning they present an objection or that, or you feel that maybe, you finish the explore call and, and everything's looking fine and uh, you are you have your proposal created based on all the current knowledge you have but as you enter in you maybe there's a sense of hesitation or because um, because you've taught us kind of to do a, a bit of a check down to make sure and, and recap uh, that nothing's changed and so on and so forth in the event that you aren't exactly completely positive on the 
the budget or their the their authority of what you know how how can you go about proceeding with that or what would you do would you back out of that call would you uh, still proceed without knowing and i guess what i'm getting at is uh certainty at this point and you yeah. made mention earlier you everyone kind of pretty much knows they're going to be working with one another and this is more of a formality to finalize the details right it's like the closing on a house yeah um but if you had a suspicion that you weren't as confident as you normally feel you should be um would you still proceed with the the advice stage or would you would you back up and and try to realign the pieces so that you got to that comfort level? Yeah. Great question. Um, I absolutely think you want to back up. Like at the end of the day, all we have is our gut, right? Like we can use a framework, but your gut is going to tell you what's going on. Um, So I also think it depends on what you're selling here. Like you as an agency, you're selling a bit more of, um, it's like it's a customizable product right like you need to customize it to what their needs are more so than i would with software right and you have a higher sales price like you guys probably need a bit more of an in-depth sales process so i would say for an agency like you're probably going to need to add a step in between explore and advise just to really make sure everybody's on the same page and you're building out the different types of services that make sense for them um for let's say like a manufacturing company or a software company you're probably going to be able to move from identify to connect to explore to advise without much in between Uh, but you're spot on i mean if you think there's things missing or you you know you didn't quite get there it's either in this advise stage spend the first half of it um just really digging into what you might have missed or recapping just to confirm that hey, what they said last time is how they truly feel because sometimes people lie in the sales process. <laughs> no. Um, you know, like, hey, our pricing's this to this. Yeah, that should be fine. Next call, we could never afford that. <laughs> so, <laughs> how true is that? <laughs> yeah. So I think it's important to recap and make sure, like, hey, I just want to make sure I heard you correctly. These are the things you told me. Yeah. Um, or like you said, add a step if, if you need to, if there's things missing. Sure. Sure. All right. So then we proceed through the advice stage and everything goes as planned. We, we present them our customized proposed solution. And, and then what it is, uh, what, what's our next step here? They give you their money and they're really happy. <laughs> there we go. All right. So, so we, we, we've then went from the presentation to the actual close. And is there anything? I, I'm just messing with, I'm just messing with you, but yes, that advice stage is really, is where we're presenting, awesome. closing it out, um, getting a, a hard verbal, um, and hopefully creating a very happy customer. Absolutely. Perfect. Now, what about, and, and sometimes we have to present to an individual that is an influencer, but isn't the complete authority. And I'm speaking of instances where someone is, has to take what you've talked about and present to a board of directors, right? Yeah. I love this. And so how do you go about that? Because, <laughs> Now you've taken and you've done your best to 
excite and dig into and, you know, what the explore, uh, exploratory call in, in uncover all the goals and challenges. And then you advise and you present this customized solution that you're saying, Hey, here's what I want you to go sell for me to a whole room of people. Yep. So that's gotta be easy, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Super easy. Um, <laughs> no, I love this. Um, I think it's a really, really important thing to bring up because this happens all the time. You have an influencer on the phone and a lot of times people don't even know that they're talking to an influencer and they go through this whole process. They get to advise, they go through it and then they say, all right, well, our meeting with our board of directors is at the end of next month. So we'll, we'll get back. We that, yeah. Um, so I think there's a few ways to approach it. One, this is the this is why the explorer stage is so important to figure out who are you talking to and what is their um, what is their decision making process look like. Who is the person signing the checks? Yeah. Right, like sure. that's what we need to determine very early on in the process. And in a perfect world, when we figure out we're talking to an influencer, we do everything we can to get the decision maker on the phone. Um, it's not always going to happen though, right? Like that's a perfect world. Um, and I think also sometimes, although they're an influencer, they do actually really heavily influence the decision maker. So we don't want to ignore this person. And if there's a lot of pushback to getting the board or whoever signs the checks on the phone, then we need to figure out a way to help them love basically to convince them to love us and then help them to sell us to their board right so um i think the first step is just once you figure out that's your scenario it's adjusting your sales process a little bit taking a step back and figuring out how you can sell that person on you know how you can make their day so much better like because they could easily block you too so you want to convince them that you are going to help them so much. Um, Once you kind of get them sold on you, then, you know, maybe it's creating an almost an extra advised phase where you're building out the plan together. Like don't leave them with the 10 seconds of memory they have on your hour presentation to go pitch to their their team, like actually help them build out the presentation, provide them with resources, um, ask them what the decision makers care about, like how have they purchased things in the past. Um, Just make sure that it's transparent and you're fully helping them to really sell you guys in the way that you would if you had the opportunity to do that. So almost get them beside you in the process of creating the presentation, right? Get yeah, them. we call them, we, whenever we have an influencer that, you know, we're kind of forced to take through the sales process, we call them like our champion. Like this is your internal champion. You need to make this person like look amazing and also have everything that they need to present the solution that's going to help them. What I love about influencers is oftentimes it's actually pretty easy to convince them that you're the best fit for them if you are. Um, the hard part, like you said, is then going to the team and presenting. So make them your champion. Help them figure out what that team cares about and then give them everything they need to crush it. Sure. And I'd have to think that taking this approach wouldn't be – it would be the exception rather than the norm. So if you are in a competitive situation being evaluated against uh, another competitor and they're kind of – 
just emailing over their slide deck with the numbers on it and you're taking this extra care and time, I'd suspect you'd get the nod from the influencer and also uh, them being a little bit more uh, influential. influential. Uh, I need more coffee this morning. Um, (laughs) In that process of of, uh, trying to persuade the board which route to go, and I could think that this would be more advantageous in the event that uh, you might not be the the cheapest option, which we all know boards have a tendency to look at, right? Yeah, I mean, put yourself in that influencer's shoes. They want something to help them, right? Like, they they probably have the most pain out of everyone. And they've gone to their boss and they've said, we need something to make this right. better. And their boss says, great, like, create an entire presentation on why we can help you make your job easier. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, ugh, well, come on. Fun. Right. Right. So if you're coming in there and you're saying, first let me figure out, like, what it is that, you know, really affects you day to day. Then I'm going to suggest what's going to make it so much better. And then I'm going to actually do your job for you and put together a presentation and help you present to your team. Like they're going to love you. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's uh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I mean, perfect world. Right? Perfect world. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, but you brought up a great competitor point as well. Um, I think, not that HubSpot's the end-all be-all, but whenever we do get feedback in a situation like that where we've brought on a new customer, they'll typically say, um, nobody tried to bring us through such a consultative, thoughtful process, and that's why we chose you, even though you were more expensive. Awesome. So that, uh, and that, and that's that's really a, a nod to the process itself because, uh Again, I, I go back to, and I, I talk to this a lot with, with our clients and tell them, and most of them aren't the most affordable option. They're at a point where they're mid to high range, and in order to win, you have to be perceived more valuable. Even if you are more valuable, you have to be perceived as more valuable um, in that, that uh, buyer cycle, right? So. All right, so you just took us through an awesome step-by-step uh, process of the inbound sales methodology. And I know a lot of people are excited and eager to look at what they can do. What are some actionable things that listeners could do today um, to, to kind of steer them towards getting their sales efforts aligned with inbound sales? Yeah. Um, I think there's a few things you can do. So just stop pitching. (laughs) Like stop pitching people. Um, Put yourself in your buyer persona's shoes. Um, Give helpful tips. Actually think about what they're, you know, what keeps them up at night and be helpful. Like nobody wants to talk to a salesperson. They want to talk to a consultant, someone who's helping them. Um, I would say that's number one, like change your process now because it's antiquated. All right. Um, number two, go get inbound sales certified. Um, Ken will send you a link, but we have a free inbound sales certification at HubSpot. All the steps that we just walked through, um, no strings attached, truly. You can just go get your certification. Um, There's a bunch of resources for every stage. There's guides that will walk you through how to do it, what questions to ask, um, and it can be really helpful. So I'd say go do that. 
and that's videos, right, Rachel? It's Yep. Yeah. Great point. Um, it's a series of videos and then there's resources and guides attached. All right. Cause yeah, uh, I recently, uh, we bought a drone here at the office and I'm trying to get my license <laughs> so I can fly it in the, you have, to have a license. Yeah. They, there's Ridiculous. actually, you need, to, you need to be licensed. It's funny because wow. and I don't mean to go off on a left-hand turn here, but they <laughs> okay. actually go so far to identify what is considered, uh, a flying object and what you need a license for and not and it's by weight and they even make reference to things like frisbees <laughs> so they're like can do i need a license to there's probably some smart ass out there be like oh great now i need a <laughs> license to fly my frisbee and they're like no you don't because it's less than this much weight so um but the the, the point i'm making is that training is a boring stereo manual of just words and i'm like oh my gosh i don't even want to go through this <laughs> where the videos that are in the certifications with HubSpot and there's more than just sales. There's a lot, you have lots of certifications and, and yep. uh, that, that uh, anyone can go through and um, learn more about uh, in about marketing, about sales, email, all kinds of fun stuff. But the videos are great. They're well put together. They have supporting documentation and resources and we'll include a link to that in, in the show notes for everyone. Perfect. Yeah. Videos are easier for me to stomach as well. I have an intention span of, Hey, a goldfish. Hey, a goldfish. Love it. Um, all right. So stop pitching. Go get inbound certified. Um, I would also say use a CRM. Like there's plenty of free platforms out there. We have one as well that um, Ken and Justin can send out a link to. Um, you just need to keep track of how you're talking to these people, um, when you're talking to them, what you're <clears throat> talking about and who they are. Yeah. And I think when we're using things like spreadsheets, um, we lose track of that. So I think it's really, really important to make sure that you're digging into that side as well. It's, and it's, there's some nice automation to, um, especially the HubSpot CRM and, and, uh, it helps with some of those pains that a lot of salespeople have with that data entry part. Right. Yep. And so, yep. There's some really cool features there that'll eliminate the need for a lot of that data entry and uh, make your lives much easier. And I, I have to say that I've introduced CRMs to several clients who were using the Excel spreadsheet format. <laughs> and reluctantly, they began to make change. No one likes change. And they, they, they did the change. And they once they got there, they were pleasantly surprised in how much how much benefit they got out of the actual CRM itself. And so um, definitely we'll yeah. include a link to that as well for everyone in the show notes. Perfect. Um, I would say one more thing too, as an action item. Um, I think we didn't talk too much about this today, but uh, we call it marketing over here at HubSpot and it's sales and marketing alignment. Um, I think it's incredibly important to work with your marketing team, not just from, you know, how to build out buyer personas like we talked about, but how are they messaging, right, to these prospects? How are they attracting people to your site? Like, make sure everybody's on the same page. Yeah. And when they are generating leads, are they the right kinds of leads for your sales team? Um, there's all kinds of things that you can do with marketing, and I just think it's extremely important to get those two teams really loving each other rather than um, kind of butting heads, which is the historical side of sales and marketing, I think. Well, absolutely. And I think 
sales provides so much insight to marketers and I don't think that's often leveraged much Yeah, because the sales yeah. salespeople are, are they're in the trenches with the people exactly. And so, yeah, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. This marketing is something that's, that's uh, definitely um, important. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll touch on a link or two that we can find for folks that they can go learn a little bit more about some marketing as well. Rachel, I think too, like if you're, if you're generating leads that aren't helping the sales team, what is your point as a marketer? Right. Well, right? It, it does. It defeats the entire purpose because if you're producing leads that aren't converting into customers or, uh, they're bad leads, then the whole process is pointless, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Perfect. So Rachel, I have to ask because you brought up marketing. Um, is there anything else that maybe we didn't touch on today that, that you think that we should, uh, shed some light, any more nuggets of wisdom that you can, uh, whip out for us to digest? Man. Um, in relation to inbound selling or just a whole new topic? I mean, if you want to talk about, uh, <laughs> Anything in general. I mean, if no, I'm not. I wanted just to make sure that we didn't leave any loose ends there in regards to inbound selling. Um, you can, uh, we can, we can uh, talk offline about another topic. Uh, to, you could shed some light on, and perhaps uh, maybe we'll talk about how to survive uh, sub-zero temperatures in the Northeast. <laughs> Yes, it is exactly zero degrees here in the Northeast today. Um, no, I think I think we covered it on inbound selling. I think the the wrap up for me would just be um, for all of our old sales folks. Not to say that they're old, but people who have been in the game for a long time. I know inbound selling is intimidating. Um, it's scary. It's a whole new way. But I'm telling you, the world has changed. Everybody's moving to this and. I think, like, in my life, the only people who can hard sell me now are the car salesmen, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's really, really important to adapt, stay relevant, and actually be helpful. Perfect. Cool. All right. Well, I think that covers everything up today. Thanks again for coming on, Rachel. We uh, truly appreciate it. We have the show notes available at www.neongoldfish.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, this is Justin and Ken with Neon Noise. Make it a great day. 